Hello, Zach. Hey, Vince. How's it going? It's going all right. How are you? I'm good. What's it called? What are we going to talk about today? Well, first, I think we should make the introduction. Uh, welcome to our podcast, uh, Two Cooks Without a Kitchen. And I'm Vince. This is Zach. And uh, this podcast is about food and the culture that exists around it and how it affects everyone. From the people who cook the food to the people who consume it. And uh, anything else that entails food, art, music, movies, or whatever whatever piques our interests. And yes, even politics too. Yeah, but we'll get later into that one. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) We'll stay away from that one for a little bit. All right, Zach. Well... I guess uh, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself, Zach. What? Uh, my name is Zach Hazlett. I have been cooking for about 15 years. Uh, professionally cooking for probably about 10. Uh, <clears throat> what, what's there to tell? Uh, I grew up in the kitchens with my grandmas, cooking, loved food. I've always loved food. Food has been kind of like that vehicle that that connects people together. It always has, and that's how people always remember me is through <laughs> through the food I cook for them. It's it, I'm an all around kind of person when it comes to my food. I I do stick to uh, Asian, American, Mexican, and Italian. Right on. Well. That's a little bit about Zach. Uh, I guess a little bit about myself. <clears throat> you know, I think uh, my story, our story, is very a little, a little bit in the fact that I didn't grow up cooking. It's something that my mom and my grandma even would shoo us out of the kitchen, go play. Uh, I come from a very traditional, I don't know, I guess home or. I don't know, strict parents or mother and go, go play. Don't, don't be in the kitchen. You know, I, I think I came into cooking shortly after my dad passed away. Uh, I was 14 and my mom wanted to make sure that we could be able to take care of ourselves. So she, that's when she started teaching us how to cook simple things. And, uh, that's kind of where I got the itch and it was, it was one thing and then another, and uh, you know, I coincidentally I just kind of stumbled onto the, the food and beverage industry, and I kind of just stayed with it for such a long time because it composed my resume was composed of so much of the service industry, so that's what I stuck with, and uh, I finally decided to to have at it and go to school and did that and graduated and I've done a little bit of everything as well I've catered uh you know I've worked in high volume restaurants mom and pop restaurants I've had the opportunity to open corporate restaurants and even mom and pop restaurants which is pretty cool and uh, you just see different perspectives from the financially stable corporation that provides everything for you to the mom and pop place which gives you uh, certain limits to everything and you have to be in, in you know uh, ingenious and come up with ways to make things work yep. so 
I've been cooking for about, I don't know, 20 years already, I guess. Yeah, you got a good couple of years on me. And, uh, but it's been fun. It's, it hasn't been all, you know. Quit champagne. It has champagne and caviar. <laughs> so, you know. Fried bologna sandwiches. Fried bologna sandwiches and yes, uh. <laughs> and some Vienna sausage potted meat and mm-hmm. spam when you're uh, really hungry. So. Oh, God, yes. And it's delicious. <clears throat> Don't you ever judge it. Uh, so, you know, it's a little bit about... That, that's a little bit about me, I guess. Um, I guess uh, it, being, in the, being in the food and beverage industry in itself, it's very fulfilling to a lot of people. You know, it takes a special kind of breed of individual to be able to withstand the punishment. Yeah, Anthony Bourdain did have it right when he said, when you think about getting into the cooking industry, that (coughs) you should go work in an olive garden, some kind of fast food restaurant, and actually see what it takes before you go to school, because it's a rough couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> and it's still and it's still a little bit rough even once you get past it. Exactly. You know, and uh so it it's it's definitely a uh it's a brutal industry, but it it can it's very it's very fulfilling it. To me it is mm-hmm. anyways. Yeah. And, and to you a lot build of people, great friendships out of it. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Uh, a lot of my, a lot of my good friends, great friends that I've, you know, that's how I met you. Yeah. That's how we met, and uh, all, all, all about food. Conversations about food and <laughs> tattoos, music. Dude, yeah. You know, so, you know, it just, it's just something that brings people together, not just through food, but you know, people dining at a table together with a complete strangers drinking wine, sharing food, sharing but, stories. <clears throat> Also, with people you've never worked with before, you've never met, different backgrounds, different um, <clears throat> ways of thinking, and just different uh, everything in general. So, yeah, it, it's definitely a pretty awesome journey. Journey to get to get into a kitchen, and when you're in the kitchen, and to whatever goals you wanna, whatever place you wanna be. There's a lot of struggles, but... You mean arrogant chefs, what's it called, people, some people who do not belong in the kitchen, say that? You know, and you you do everything you can to try to help those people, and, yeah. you know, some people don't waste any time with them, and just yeah. cut bait, cut them loose, you know, but... But you give them time and proper training, they become badasses. I know a, I know a couple of them. You know, sometimes it's hard because the, the I think what makes this industry difficult and brutal is you sacrifice a lot of weekends, holidays, birthdays, nights, the majority of your personal freedom <clears throat> and uh you you know you, you stand in the back of a restaurant getting your ass kicked and the printers won't shut up and it's just like constant going off and off and off and people and, are waiting for food mm-hmm. and servers are asking for <laughs> asking for something because so, they messed up an order and you're like knees deep in like 20 orders and you have to re- do this one order yeah you know and so but 
you do it at the end of the day. People yell at each other and, you know, and you blow steam. And at the end of the shift, it's over. And you, you know. Y'all can be friends again. The struggle, that those are a lot of the struggles. You sacrifice the weekends, the family time. You know, you sacrifice so much. Birthdays and it's like, I don't think I, you know, for the first six, seven years, I don't think I ever had a birthday off. And when I finally got my birthday off, you know, I didn't know what to do with yeah, myself. Yeah, you, you never do. <clears throat> like, uh... You know, and it goes to say, like, well, don't you have any friends? And all the all my friends were working. Were working, and you know, you have high school friends and what have you not, but they've moved on to their lives. So a lot of these, a lot of them have nine to five jobs, and you have this weird job, you know, weird hours and. Yeah, you know, you get out at like three o'clock in the morning, and they're they're already in bed, like re- getting ready to get up and go in the morning. You know, so a lot of it's with it complicates uh, re- relationships in the aspect of friendships or personal relationships. It takes a special kind of breed of individual to be able to withstand and put up with something like that because it's it can be demanding. And uh, it takes a toll on on any on, on a friendship or a personal relationship. So, but there's also a lot of camaraderie and humility <clears throat> and humble people in the industry, and as well as very a lot of arrogant people. But we, you know, we just talked a lot about a little bit about the struggles, and uh, that's not the only focus that we want to have. We also we also talk about. We want to talk about the camaraderie and and the and how the the industry is so close knit in the service industry, you know, in, at, at least where I've been. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, you go out, you see people, you, you see people from other other joints, other restaurants. You know, you see them out at the bars drinking. Boom! You give yourself a good old nod. You go over there and introduce yourself. And that's how you meet people. I mean, you, they usually we usually carry ourselves in a very specific way. Buy you a drink, and a couple beers, and you meet new people. Mm-hmm. And you know, three, four, six, ten years down the line, you're you're still in touch with these people, or you see them, yeah. and you know, who knows? Some some people get up uh, employment opportunities to go up to make their way up the ladder in other places, and you know, if you're if you're in a position where you can help other fellow cooks out. And you need somebody, and they can help you out. They, you know, they usually will help they, you out. They'll usually help you out if it's within their reach. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a big group of friends, I What's guess. Yeah, and that's something pretty awesome because, uh, despite you know you having really close friendship, you know, people oh, yeah. go separate ways, and you know, some 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 go different ways and live in different states and what have not, what have you not. It's just important. You know. you know, to be able to to understand that that's sometimes that's how it is in this industry. Yeah. So there's definitely I a lot of plus sides, a pluses to the to the mm-hmm. like in when service I was, industry. Like even in Dallas, service industry night is a night where they treat us right. They where any you can go into any restaurant <laughs> if you work in the service industry. You can get a, they usually give you a free beer or a shot or like a free appetizer and take half off your meal so that you're not spending all your money <laughs> that you just earned those 12 hour, 16 hour days that you spend. <laughs> man, and, and that's crazy, man. I, 
and it's it's usually like on a Monday or Tuesday yeah. on the slower shifts, and that's when the service industry night happens, and you go out and have a blast. Yeah, but it's those days that it's because the weekend's always busy for us. So, yeah, during the week is kind of like our <laughs> our time off. You know, and, and I think that's unfathomable for a lot of people, especially a lot of a lot of people that work the nine to fives. Yeah, that. Why don't you do anything on the weekend? Um, because my weekends are dedicated to work, but I'm off on Monday and Tuesday. But they work, and that then yeah. it comes full circle again to like it's hard to keep friendships because yeah. you know because you can't go out with them and hang out and, <laughs> and be there. <clears throat> but in all fairness, there's there's you know you, you make it happen, uh, I, and I wish yeah. a, I wish a lot of the higher end restaurants did. You know, service some type so, of yeah, service, service some... industry night, especially here. I think they fucked it up, service industry night, because they instead of making it affordable for the service industry people, they decide instead, like in Dallas, they like cut half your check and all that other stuff. Here, no, they'll charge you out the. Uh, they'll stick it to you. They'll stick it, it to you hard <laughs> on service industry night, and like. That that isn't what it what service industry night is about. It's about it's about celebrate. Well, it is. It's about celebrating the community that serves the people. Yeah, and, and I understand you you have to make some money too, but you know yeah. you can't. Not everybody. You should want your other people in the industry to come and enjoy your enjoy, enjoy your food. food. If not your food, something from there mm-hmm. that isn't gonna break the bank. Yeah. Because we're in a part, we're in a part of the of the country that where minimum wage isn't isn't how it is in other places. Yeah, and, our minimum wage is still at seven twenty five. And so going out, going you, out is still hard to it's do. It's still hard to do. Well, I guess when I first met Zach, you know, I introduced myself to him, and you know, kind of the first thing that you know, caught my attention about him. He stood out. We're in a rest. We're in a we're in a kitchen, full of <laughs> full of Mexicans, <laughs> and he's a he's Zach Zach's the only redheaded white boy in there, and uh, so he stuck out. But uh, to his credit, he understood Spanish. He he's he grew up here, so he speaks the Spanish, speaks he's a little bit of the Spanish, Spanish, understands it, you know. Yeah. But here comes this white this redheaded guy with a beard and a bunch of tattoos on his arm he you know he's got on his on his right forearm he's got a a tattoo in steps of how to roll a tamal and uh so everybody's i was kind of that's kind of the first thing that i noticed about him besides the good old red hair and the red beard and it was just uh hey man what's up and i just you know introducing myself i'm vince and what have you not and He's like, oh yeah, well I'm Zach. I went to, I went to school in Austin. I worked in Austin and this and that. And he he worked in a vegan restaurant. And I was like, okay, I was, I was a little, you know, iffy about it. But then he started talking about charcuterie and and all this. And that's something that I was always interested in. It's just not something that I always jumped into. So for you know, the 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 interest of of the whole charcuterie and how he wanted to 
to move forward with it and, and eventually start a, uh, a, deli. A, a deli and a charcuterie program, which he's already done and twice. I, twice. It's fantastic. And, you know, I pick his brain a lot about that and the proper, fer, you know, the proper fermentation for stuff and the spores and, and, and all and everything that you obviously read from a book. Uh, right, but having it in theory and being being able to do it is two two totally different things. So, you know, he'd done it. I'd read about it. I'd never done it, mm-hmm. and he is something that you had done. So, yeah. you know, it was just kind of like, uh, hmm, there's interest there. Like, let's talk about food. And he's uh, <laughs> Zach is a uh, outside the outside the box thinker, and uh, he's uh, he's kind of like the mad scientist. <laughs> And I'm kind of, you know, I'm more, I'm more of a kind of not outside, inside the box, but I, I tread very close to the lines. And yes, I think outside of the box, but we're two different individuals and, you know, I could take, we bounce great ideas off of each other. And that's what our, our, our friendship. friendship started, man. Really, we just, we just talked about food and bounced a lot of ideas and did I think some of the ideas were a little wacky yes I did but you know it's it's easy to tell somebody like oh it's that's wacky that's bonkers it won't work it's another thing to be able to to like hey well let's try to bring bring that vision to fruition and like like let's try to put it together and see how it happens and use use less components and use less components uh, because (laughs) you know I use about twenty of them sometimes. And so, and, and but the 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 process was there, and just our our idea exchange process, how we how we talk about food and how it, it's. I mean, that's how the platform got born. You know, we we started a pop up uh, kitchen kitchen, and that's just how we rolled. And we got together with a couple more friends, and there's the camaraderie because they were basically helping me try because i was tired of cooking the same thing in the kitchen you know and, and i didn't know our friendship up to that point with zach was just like work and hey i'd go over there and I'd like pick his brain yeah. but it wasn't like hey let's hang out a whole lot yeah. and one day he approached me he's like hey well we want to do a pop-up kitchen and we want to do some pop-up wine dinners i'm like are you interested and i had previously helped uh done it with a friend of mine so I kind of I, I had an an idea of how to do it, and not that it's difficult. It just takes a lot of planning, and I'm a you know I like to plan things out. So, and he was more the spontaneous kind of guy, oh, and just like, like here, let's do it right now. And I was like, no, well, there's it's time and planning, and let's just get let's get things going, and that's kind of how that that took took off and uh it was a it was beautiful it was awesome you know you you know and every all good things come to an end and you know you move on to the next on to the next on to the next thing and but that's pretty much how our friendship started just because i guess the intellectual or the idea exchange Mm -hmm. and uh so i i thought it was it you know, everybody, everybody had asked me, man, is he weird or what? And I was like, well, I'm pretty weird myself. So, you know, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't see him as weird. No, yeah. Well, everyone always thinks I'm weird. It's, but, it's, it's my, it's my wonderful charm. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty weird myself. So, yeah. you know. I am a giant nerd, right? I love Doctor Who. So, 
you know, that's and the camaraderie is there. And we have, I've met a lot of people because of Zach and people who I guess wouldn't be normally in my circle of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we, we've have, we have friends who I don't think necessarily would have been our friends if we wouldn't have tried, we, what, we we tried what we did and like that, you know, passion for our passion for food and somebody else was passionate about wine. Mm-hmm. Somebody else could set up, set up a, a party like nobody else is, yeah. on a, with a budget and somebody yeah, else was a great, a great, great talker and speaker and communicator and was articulate and we before you know we get together and cook food wine talk articulate they'd pick our brains and they'd word everything perfectly and boom we had a team and it was it was fantastic you know some of the better times you know we'd get our ass kicked out of work on a friday saturday we'd get out we'd head over to our friend's house boom drink wine mm-hmm. eat charcuterie till four in the morning yeah and, and oh late nights late nights go home Come back to work, do it again, yeah. and then hang out the next day. Do the yeah. same thing over and over, just because it was something so refreshing that you know, and that we were ecstatic about. So we just stuck with it. So I mean, it, it it's definitely well, yeah. That's where we met Carlos, our our speaker. Yep. You know, and uh, it was pretty fantastic. It was pretty fantastic to do what what we did, and just in general. Um, I don't know. Uh, I guess <coughs> Zach and I, you know, Zach and I differ in a lot of ways, and, and the fact that you know he he's got the tattoos and and I don't. I know. Where's and, your tattoo, Vince? When are you gonna get your tattoo? And uh, his his style of cooking is different than differs from me, and but we always seem to find somewhere in the middle, and that's not something that a lot of chefs can or cooks can find themselves doing because they always want their ideas and nobody, you know, it's, it's their idea is the right one always. And, and it's hard, man, to take, to, to, to give, to take direction and give direction, especially from, you know, so, you know, when a, a lot of it's comp- you know, a lot of, a lot of cooks and chefs are very competitive and, you know, that but it works for it, it works for us. We're good friends. Uh, do we disagree on all the things? Yes. Yes. We a lot do. of the time. <laughs> uh, but you know, at the end, if it's if his if his ways a better superior thing, like if it's gonna make the customer happy or a guest happy, or if it makes more sense, not just on paper, but in the execution aspect of it, then now we go with it. You know. And it's just, it's just what we do, mm-hmm. you, you know, um, but n- and not just that Zach likes different chefs than I do. And I like my, I like certain chefs and he likes other chefs. Um, I don't know, but mine, well, what mine, what Christina Martinez, I, uh, Ivan Orkin, uh, who else? Uh, Dominique Cran. I actually just got to go to her three-star Michelin restaurant now. Congratulations to Dominique Cran. Doing that first woman. Uh, who else? Uh, Rosa uh, Sanchez. What's it called? Uh, who? Let's see. I'm trying to think about it. Oh, uh, 
God, Francis Malman, I love him. He, he, <laughs> dude, I love his uh, seven techniques of fire. I think that's just a beautiful way of cooking. Uh, what else? What am I missing? I'm missing someone else. Uh, who's the guy? Uh, Thomas, not Tom, uh, shoot. Zach has, Michael, the charcuterie guy. Zach has so many stuff that he likes. He can't keep them all in order. Yeah, I do. There's so many. <laughs> I love, I, I love what they do. Oh, uh, Alex Atala. Atala? Atala. Yes. Atala. Alex Atala. I love him. The Silver Fox. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> he calls him a, he's really, he really likes Alex because he was a ginger too. Yeah. Yeah. So. He was a ginger too. Now he's a badass. Over in Dom. Enrique, what, what's his Olivera. last name? Rivera. I think he's doing some great things with Mexican cuisine. Right, yeah. He sure is. You know, uh, that's what pretty you? cool. Yeah, you know, I kind of, I, I kind of been digging. Uh, uh, I like a lot. I, I, I like the Rue Brothers in in Europe in in London. Mm-hmm. You know, they Michelle Alan, uh, Michelle Rue Junior, and and Albert. Uh, they they just like classical French cooks. You know, chefs, and they're unapologetic about it. And that's pretty cool to watch. To be for them to be able to still execute that in their in their restaurant to be be as popular as they are, uh, you know, uh, everybody <clears throat> everybody loves Michael Pierre White, Gordon Ramsay, and what have you not. Uh, Angela Hartnett, Marcus Waring, you know, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of great European chefs that I that that I like, and uh, not that I don't. There's Paul Abrant, he's in New York and. There's a, there's just a lot of a lot of chefs that they just have a stronger discipline in Europe than they do here. Not that they don't have it here. Mm-hmm. It's just that a lot of those European chefs, old school European chefs, have the old school mentality, and they treat you a certain way. And I think that's more my my way, and it's very very disciplined and very intense. And yeah. I'm okay with that. I I dig that kind of discipline. Uh, <clears throat> I like Alex Atala. He's He's intense. He's awesome, and he, you know, he's the right kind of intense that I would want to be. Mm-hmm. That I that I it. that I want to emulate because he he just carries himself in in a very I don't I I, I don't want to say scary, but he's a very intimidating individual. Yeah, but he scared. doesn't. But he doesn't. You know, he doesn't seem like it. Like, like he it. he would want to show you. Right, you know. There's the. <clears throat> You know, you have he wants to, to go like what oh, David Chang says. He's just going to take you into the forest and get lost in there, in the rainforest. You know, and you you have you have great chefs also like Rene Rizepi, mm-hmm. You know, Dan Barberman, Sean and, Brock. He's doing great things with with seeds. Right, and he he sure is heritage yeah. and and uh, heirloom. So you know, there's a there. I'm definitely you know Dan Barber, somebody that I really like because he does the whole farm to table, yeah. And that's kind of how I was, uh, kind of my first taste of farm to table that I got was from from Molly McCook in Fort Worth, mm-hmm. and she really drove it home. And it just she was really intense and passionate about it, and that's something something that 
you know, at first when I would hear about it, respect the product, you know, it's still a young cook and I, I didn't know so much about, you know, I just wanted a job and I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted to build my chops and be able to move forward. And that, you know, the, the sous chef there and her and, and chef Molly kind of just, you know, took me under the wing and, you know, broke me down and, and drove it home and I think that's where my confidence build started building and it just kind of I thought I, I it thought I knew everything or a substantial amount it turns out I, I did know some but not enough and uh you know you just pick up and go go from there and so you'd say that restaurant was your your biggest influence for sure hands down hands down mm-hmm. just you know just like Boulevardier was mine. Just because she was just so driven and passionate about about what she was doing, and, and she meant business, and, and just like the meticulous things that we did to the product, how we took care of it, how everything was, you know. When I got hired there, it was farm to table, yay. You know, and then reality sinks in when they bring everything to you they bring it to you in crates and plastic bags and they don't bring it in you have to wash and triple wash quadruple wash all these screens because (laughs) surprise they're they were cut they were cut that morning Mm -hmm. and so you know there's dirt and sand and yeah and bugs in it and so you have to really clean all this stuff properly plus you have to set up the rest of your mise en place Mm -hmm. and dressings were made from i had to make all the dressings from scratch and then you know, that was that, that was, was that, and I guess you know it was a small a small kitchen. She, would, Chef Molly, would come come along and taste my dressings, and she'd tell me what what's missing here, what's missing here, this this this. But she'd educate me all at the same time, and you know I I was terrified because I didn't know how to take the yelling from from a, a, a female chef, and mm-hmm. I you know getting yelled by a. a, a, a male chef is like that one in in one one in in one ear out the other and it's just kind of like diffuse it i'm not going to take it to heart i'm take it with a grain of salt but when with her she was so intense i was terrified but i learned so much you know when my journey came to an end there you know i I was sad but i was ready to move on to the (coughs) next to the next you know, stage the next chapter of my cooking career, mm-hmm. and uh, it was it was very exciting for me, and I, I I have to attribute, you know, the the passion that I that I that I started with from farm to table. I that's something that's really piqued my interest, and that's where I really learned that it's hard to it's harder to cook with less ingredients and to let it stand alone. A good product stand alone, yeah, as opposed to drowning it with a lot of components. Mm-hmm. Just be, it, it's hard. It's harder. It is. It's harder to do fewer components. So, that's why I mean, that's why I learned a lot at Boulevardier too, because we had to, we had to make, what? Uh, when I first started, we had this badass chef, and then he got uh, taken away to our other restaurant, so they left it down to me and the sous chef, at the time, and I was lead line cook, so I could work any station. So. We had to make what a steak dish, a fish dish, every week, at least, and sometimes a salad. And then also, I had to focus on making brand new charcuterie. 
Ah, uh, I miss those days though. And that and that was your that was a that was your first charcuterie program, yeah. Yeah, that was my first charcuterie over at Boulevardier. They they really let me kind of like they gave me the tools that I needed to like really expand my my knowledge on trying to make charcuterie and like what what it takes to make charcuterie. Like I mean, sometimes you overgrind or your meat wasn't frozen enough, and so that you're when you're packing it and it dry uh, or you're packing it it gets air bubbles or sometimes like once it dries it, it still is a little mealy so it didn't emulsify very well so it didn't become a cylinder so you had to like uh lower your grind on your meat it's it was just a lot of test and error always right sometimes on. right on and, and and you know uh i think that's where zach, when i first met zach he was uh very uh unsure of himself when it came to cooking you know whole cuts of meat and 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 meats in general because i i don't know he just hadn't he hadn't had the the experience for it yeah all i had was culinary school and uh so you know when he got back from dallas you know you he learned how to play with he he cooked on an open flame over there and you definitely you definitely uh, Gain com- some confidence. Hell yeah. Boost. And, you know, before I was like, hey, do you think this is ready? I'm like, well, what do you think? Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, you have to, you have to, he was unwilling to take chances. Yeah. He was willing to take chances on his crazy ideas, but not on a piece of protein, which mm-hmm. is kind of funny and weird. Yeah. But he'd take big chances on some things, but wouldn't take big chances on other things. Something as simple as, hey, is my ribeye at the right temperature? Yeah. So when you definitely came back, you were definitely you definitely definitely a different individual. You have more confidence. You're well uh, more more sure of yourself. Yeah. Well, yeah. That comes from <laughs> that comes like I said. It was under fire. There was one night. Oh God. So like everyone was off. It was supposedly going to be a slow night. So we only had three people on the line, which was me on two stations, which was Fry and Garmanger. Then we had my chef who was on saute, because our other guy had called in, and then we had one guy on grill. And we got slammed, like, 300 people. <laughs> By ourselves. We cooked th- for 300 people. No stops, no breaks. Me doing two stations, chefs, and my chef right there, right next to me, cooking his heart out on saute, and the other guy cooking on grill. Oh, that break at the end of the night was the best break ever. It was we were so ready and done. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what you call being in the weeds. Hell yeah. Actually, being in the woods, and you know, but we were lost in the woods for a while. <laughs> there, there, there comes a point where you're you're so behind or you're so overwhelmed that you don't, you, you know, you just got to push through it. You have to stop, focus, and take it. A, Take it, take, take it, it at a, time. A, a ticket or two at a time, and just move and, and regroup and regroup and start and communicate and just push through and get it up, get it over with, because ultimately it's not about it's not about us who's cooking the food. It's yeah. about the guests that's coming in. Yeah. We want them, you, you know, you want to get them, a hot meal to get a hot meal and, on time, on time, and have a great experience while doing it. Yeah, you know, so. But we did it. Hey, three hundred people for three guys. <laughs> <laughs> Some guy working two stations, which one station was pretty much by itself because not a lot of people ordered salad with their meal. 
they usually order it before or after and then and then fry was all like french fries and uh appetizers so and those usually did go with the meal sometimes so i had to also be in communication with my two other workers while trying to make two different stations work so he had a lots of fun yay yeah so much fun <laughs> <laughs> no um but i did earn the respect of my chef that day right on see and and you know sometimes under fire is when you know when they put you through the fire and and you put yourself they put you through the paces and if you can just hold out sometimes you don't need to be great you just have to hold out and and endure and you know that's how i know that's how i've 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 taken cooks under my wing and given them, you know, they can take the, they can take the whoopings, the, you know, the yeah. beatings and you're like, okay, he might not be great, but he's coachable. He can endure. Let's, let's, let's push through, you know, uh, I guess this fits into the camaraderie aspect of it also. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. My it, chef bought me a beer that night. He's like, dude, you deserve this. I think it's important to, uh, that, that I say it because most people just most uh, most chefs dismiss and cooks dismiss other people other chef, other young cooks because they 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 don't see they're not quick enough or they don't they don't see potential in them but it's a uh, and on the same token the people that don't see the potential in these people and don't want to teach them and coach them because they don't have potential are the very same people who sit sit back and argue and bitch and complain about not being there not being enough good cooks you know and there's where there's a shortage on cooks yeah because nobody wants to take the time to invest yeah it, not anymore they just they just want you to jump in the kitchen and start working and, and they want you to have an this a mass knowledge. knowledge yeah and like oh well you have 20 years experience like yeah let me pay you eight bucks an hour yeah, and you're gonna get the shit kicked out of you every night and i'm gonna and so you can make my life easier and that's not how it works no. you know i you know being that in the the service industry and in the kitchen uh cooks stay there for a handful of a handful of years maybe a year or two and then they jump and they don't want to make that investment initial investment and have them jump out yeah. and and jump ship at some point and I think it's important for for chefs to understand that, you know, if you teach, if you instruct and teach these individuals proper technique, proper, and you give them proper guidance, they're gonna that, that's gonna stick with them, yeah. especially if you drill it into them, you know, uh, just kind, you know, you have to you have to be kind with people and tough on results, man. And you just have to drive it home, drive it home every day, every day, every day. And, and eventually they'll get it. And, you know, who knows? Somewhere down the road that person, you know, is successful. And, other, you know, that's how I would measure my success. That's how I measure my successes and how... By the people that By the people have that have learned. gone on and learned from me and, and have moved up and are in better places now. And that's so fulfilling and rewarding to me. You know, and yes, at some point, I want to be, I want to be, be successful and, and and financially successful and be stable, and not struggle as much. And but you know, I knew what I was getting into when I when I got into this industry. You know, 
hopefully hopefully we'll move we'll push forward and and, and uh get get better at it but you know i think it's important that we that we instruct our our fellow young culinarians whether they go to culinary school or not it's on you to be able to teach them and show them exactly what to do how to do it and when to do it and you know be able to be able to manage and handle things it's just important because they're going to be a reflection of who you are and that that speaks volumes because people want you know this person leaves and goes down on the road down the road and well you know they reflect you know you're awesome great this is where'd you start well so and so showed me how to and taught me this he took me under his wing and and it just comes it reflects back on you so i think it's important that we're able to uh instruct our i guess our young culinarians in the right pathway and not get frustrated with them and and dismiss them because they don't have the same potential that that you have when you have you know where you're at now if you if you've been doing it for 10 years well of course somebody that's walking in isn't going to have the same the same knowledge and experience you're going to because he's just stepping in in the kitchen it's important to for for you to understand that you were there you were that pimply scared kid at some point and a lot I of chef, and a lot of chefs don't want to accept that yeah they don't want to remember that for whatever reason you know, that's I think that's the most idiotic and moronic thing that anyone like can do. Somebody is, was in your your or somebody was there before you, saying the same thing about, about you. you. And I think they're like in utter denial about it. Like, no, that wasn't me. I was. I was a culinary I, god when I came out of the womb. You know, and, and and that's just you're full of shit. I mean, with all due respect, yeah, you're full of shit. You just get over yourself and take. Take a real hard look at yourself, and you were, you were, you you didn't know what you you didn't know what you you know now. So, they just put yourself in those shoes. Somebody had the patience to put up with you. You should have the patience to put up with somebody. Yeah. And in the end, it's gonna pay off because, you know, who knows that that person might stick around with you for a long, long time, and it and it's just a reflect. Like I said before, it's a reflection of who you are, how you instruct your your. You're the young culinarians, the young cooks. Nobody wants to be the molder of minds. That you just, everybody just wants somebody that has, you know, work ethic. You can, you, you. Sometimes you have to, you have to show them. You have to instruct. You have to show young cooks how to have good work ethic. Well, you, you should already know it. Well, guess what? Not everybody has has had the same opportunities as you. Maybe, maybe their parents didn't teach them good work ethic. Maybe you should. But nobody wants to take on that mantle and that responsibility for whatever reason. I got a lot of stuff going on. Well, Crimea River, everybody's got shit going on. You know, you, you have to be able to just to dedicate time to individuals and make them better. And, and make them, the goal should always make them better than you. And that's another thing. Chefs are fucking terrified of making <coughs> young cooks better than them, you know. Again, yeah. they're a reflection of what you are, man. And there's always going to be something, someone better than you. And if you can, keep, just don't be afraid, because there's st there's stuff that you know that that's going to take that that young cook years to learn, experience, pressure, 
how to handle yeah. certain things. You already done that. You've already, if he's great cook, if he's a great cook, then let him let him flourish. Push him forward. Yeah. Don't don't hold knowledge back. Oh, yeah. I'm not gonna teach him all my tricks. Yeah. I'm gonna feed him feed him as much. If they're asking, you feed it to them. Feed yeah. it to them. Feed it to them, because they want to learn. Mm-hmm. You should. And it does take dedication, because some people. Well, yeah, some people aren't dedicated to it. What uh, I have a horror here kitchen horror story. What's it called? So one day we were in a big rush and I had like, I had like six burners going uh, with food on it. And I, I, it was during the middle of the rush and I was rushing so much. I actually, instead of laying my fish, like I always do, I kind of threw one down or I plopped it. (laughs) Like I plopped it in and oil spit up and straight into my eye. I'm and did did I whine and complain and like go off the line? No, I got through service, and then I finally took my smoke break and said, "Can I please just have a, like five minutes?" And that is what you call a careless mistake. Yep, <laughs> careless mistake. But did I cry through it? No, I got my job done. Once the rest was over, then I went to the ER. Yeah, and you hear all kinds of, hey, I, I mangled my finger and I just taped it up. Yeah. And those are, uh, you know, I've been part of that. Yeah. Part of the, part of uh, restaurants where that's happened. and We all know, have a janky finger. You know, I, I think the thing that gets me the most is when you nick yourself. Yeah. I've gone months and years without nicking myself and then you're like, duh. When you cut yourself. No, when you nick yourself, when you don't have a knife roll. In your, ba- in your knife bag and you nick yourself with one of your sharp knives? Uh, like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, it's, it's just such a stupid thing, but it happens. Getting off the topic and rolling into, I guess, our, our another segment. I, I, I guess let's talk about, I don't know, what's some of the, some of the other stuff that, that, you, that you think is worthy of mention or what? chefs that you think are worthy of mentioning you know, whether it be celebrity chefs or unknown chefs or chef, somebody that's important to you? Um, well, I mean, Ivan Robbins, right now, well, I'm getting gearing up to do ramen, actually, soon. Uh, so Ivan Robbins been one of those chefs that, I mean, this is a New Yorker who went to Japan and, and, and became king of ramen in Japan. And... I mean, he did it. He he did it, and I love his book. His book is like a, a really good documentary. Right. Also, the Chef's Table. I love that. Christina Tosi. What is she famous for? Cereal milk. Simple thing that you would never have thought about, but everybody wants it. True. Touche. Touche. You know. Um. Uh, uh, who else? You know who? You know who's doing some really, really great things, and I, I, I like him for it. Uh, Jose Andres, he's uh, World Kitchen Central. He's going around. He, he's, he was in Puerto Rico. He was in uh-huh. California for the fires. Yeah. He was in North Carolina. I mean, he's t- he's setting up, uh, uh, not just him, along with other chefs and people in the industry, celebrity and non-celebrity chefs. Yeah. You know, people. You know oh. that that's what's crazy. That's what's crazy about 
that, you know, he's like, not me. It's all these people that, you know, how do you function 20 kitchens, 20 mobile kitchens? Uh -huh. And talk about pop-ups. Uh -huh. There's a lot of chefs doing a lot of good. You know, the late Anthony Bourdain, who, you know, yeah. who, who hasn't read Kitchen Confidential? Who hasn't, you know, talked about anything? Talked about him. In any way, shape, or form, whether you love him or hate him, you know. Dude, we he, all love he, his TV shows. He he kept he, it he kept it real. I he think. did, and he, it, it's what appealed. I think that's why a lot of a, a lot of the you know service industry liked them because he kept it real. It was fucking real stories. Yeah, and and real things know, that happened. You could believe those things that happened because because we've lived them. It's not. You know, he didn't, and and he's a very articulate man, very smart man, too. Hell yeah. We all want his job. You know. But I don't think anyone could ever replace Anthony Bourdain. You know, but but you, you, have, you have great, other, a handful of great chefs that are out there trying to do the, do the same thing. The way things are in the culinary world, everybody wants to be a chef, and everybody no wants, wants to be... No one wants to be a cook anymore. Everybody wants to be famous, and... You know, we consider ourselves cooks first. My, I, I do, and I know I can say that for you too. Consider ourselves cooks. We don't necessarily fond of, <laughs> we're not fond of the term chef. And yes, that is uh, ice cream. That's uh, the that's elote truck. That's the elote truck selling chicharrones, hot cheetos with cheese. And uh, yes, he's talking Spanish. Yep, selling corn. <laughs> selling corn. In, in a I, I think that's what where we where we live. Like the big thing here is tacos. You know, jeez, oh, man, and and this is for another cast, but this is we can still jump into it. A th bit. This is ridiculous. Let's once and for all, like I challenge anybody, Brit. You know, here in the heart in the heart of South Texas, you can go anywhere in a gas station, into Laredo Taco Company, into a uh, you know, it, it, and anywhere, get, and, and you're gonna get. A quality fucking taco. Oh, yeah. There's going to be somebody making your fucking flour tortilla right there in front of you. It's not taking out some fucking plastic bag. You don't have to go. Yes, I'm not saying San Antonio and Austin don't have great tacos. They do. But you can't go to a gas station and get a great fucking taco with somebody making you a flour tortilla. Period. Yeah. And it's like you have to go to a sit-down restaurant. And you can go into this fucking gas station and ask for a taco, chorizo and bean. Uh, that we have the cute taco. Yo, oh, my cute taco. And, Hell yeah. And, Bacon, potato and egg, beans. fucking chorizo beans and some cheese. And, and, you know, a buck, a buck 95, boom. And you're, and that's all you really need. You know, it's a taco. It's a, for a taco. And it's, you know, it's a Tacos big taco. Are king here. And, and so I, I it's kind of hard to believe that you can go to a gas station anywhere in San Antonio, Austin and get. A quality, a, a quality, quality taco, and, and and I even throw that challenge to California as well. Yeah, you know because they, you know, but, maybe yeah, taco trucks maybe. But 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 like going just walking into a gas station at like six o'clock in the morning, boom, Laredo Taco Company making tacos. <laughs> right on, yes. <laughs> That's so awesome. We're at, we're actually outside in the back porch, and we're decided to record our cast. And yes, that's uh, the elote guy. The elote guy. He sells ice cream too. Yeah, but but he, he sells everything snack wise. I bet you when you hear that, mm -hmm. 
you don't expect to hear, hey, I'm selling corn chicharrones and Cheetos. Yeah. Hot Cheetos with Hot cheese. cheese. Or gummies with... Uh, with chamoy. Chamoy. And oh, the- that's the shit. <laughs> chamoy. Especially if you let it, like, melt in your car. And then it just becomes this, like, jelly blob. Oh, it's so good. So, anyways. Now, I think he's moved along now. And, uh, you know, believe it or not, uh, kids in the neighborhood love that stuff. As, yeah. well, as well as adults, not just kids. Because you can drive around here and there's, there's like literal, literally stands, you know, little snack shops, snack shops. Yes. It's weird. Hey, a snack shop. And that's all they sell. Yep. And that, that'll be another topic for another, another, for, for another cast. Yeah. But, you know, I think, uh, what's important you know, whether you're a, an experienced an experienced cook or you're trying to instruct somebody, have the patience. Yeah. You know that some have the patience for that young restless cook because you were there once. Have the patience. Be communicate clearly. Tell him what he needs to do. You know, it, it's a tough process to be to be able to instruct somebody properly. Uh, give them information. That let, Ooh, no, have I'm, them have I'm, them learn and. Uh, educate yourself so that you can educate other people because you you know you can't educate and you can't teach anything you're no if, good if you're, if you're not learning something new every single day you're you're not growing as a cook yep you know and uh, if you're a young cook you know something works for you as uh, try to learn something every day ask if you don't ask it, you won't learn it. There's, they won't tell you. They won't tell you. You know, keep your mouth closed and your ears open and educate yourself again. That's, you know, that's something that comes that should be done by the the person that's teaching and the person that wants to be learning. Learning has to be going on con- con- continuously from both sides. And, and, and most important, like not everybody knows everything. People learn you. <laughs> Try to learn something new every day. Yeah. So, w- w- I guess this will this will close out our our podcast, and uh, I guess we'll see you guys next week. Yeah. Hopefully, it'll be about tacos. And uh, tune in, and you'll uh, hear our chit chat conversation about tacos and taco controversy, yeah. and and types <laughs> of tacos, taco fillers, yes. and everything else that.